Welcome to Tom and Jack and the Crack. Uh, we've got no Jack this week because he's injured his back. Yeah. Uh, deadlifting. Because he's weak. Because <laughs> he's weak. <laughs> he's now, soft. And you got a young bull in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Luke, <laughs> the young bull. Yeah. No deadlifts could kill me. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He kills deadlifts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, I, I'm completely high on caffeine today, so... This is My great. ego is going to be out of control. His ego's out of control. We're going to have great ASMR slurp content for people who tune in for that. ASMR, yeah. it, it's sexual, right? It's sexual. It is sexual. I'm tired of people pretending it isn't. Yeah, it's, it's like, because I saw, um was it Cardi B's one? Yes. And it's like, so she's got full tits out, mm -hmm. two mics, Yep. which she just grabs in both well, hands and then goes. <laughs> yes. And why would you think there's anything sexual about that, Luke? Oh, I just thought it was very relaxed. <laughs> Either way, at the end, I was moist and relaxed. Yeah, no, exactly. The way I like to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, what, what do you mean? I always go to sleep with someone like, holding yeah. phallic objects in their face, yeah, yeah, yeah. slurping with a giant tongue. It's fucking creepy. It's a fetish. I, I, yeah. I stand by that. Because all, all the thumbnails for ASMR mm. are just like, Huge well, cleavage shots. All, all the successful ASMR channels yeah. are subliminally, well, not even subliminally, no, not subliminally. just in your face <laughs> sexual. But it's the same with yoga videos as well. Oh, 100%. Every, you're you're yeah. just trying to find like a, a standard yoga video with no, yeah. nothing sexual in it. And it's you can't get a fat guy doing yoga no. anywhere. <laughs> as much as I've searched. Uh, yeah, it's like, that's who I want to teach me yeah. doing yoga. Yeah. Because I remember going on, I went on a date with this girl who did yoga and it was like, I was just like, I'm going to get... Like, she was very attractive. Mm -hmm. I meant to her a lot, but it was like our second date or something. I was like, I'm just going to get an erection that I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to focus on the exercises. Yeah. But then they're like, ooh, downward dog. And, like, she's just in front of me. And I'm like, oh, oh. fuck, wearing, like, skin-hugging everything. I'm like, I can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's the, that is the side of the male libido no one talks about enough. Yeah. It's, it's un un unwanted erections. Mm. Just like, I don't want and, this. And, and embarrassment and shame about it. You're yeah. like, I know this is yeah. inappropriate. Yeah, like, you, you think... You think I want this? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, think, you think I like having to tuck my, <laughs> my belt thing getting tucked? Well, it's just like you feel so pathetic as well. You're just like, I can't control this. Yeah. <laughs> like... 100%. Do you know what's funny, actually? I remember I was chatting to my sister about this. Oh, wait. Well, <laughs> yeah, we share all you do of things. our things. She knows about all my dick hiding secrets. <laughs> nice. Um, no, she was talking about from a, sort of the female, I think, what was maybe a female equivalent, which is crying. She's like, sometimes I just cry. Mm. I don't want to. And yeah. I don't, I, I wish I couldn't. And sort of the, the thinking bit of my brain knows it's like not the right time or place, but I just can't help it. <laughs> Yeah. And I wonder if like our horniness is like some sort of parallel. To that. That's so annoying because I feel like the empathy tracks will never <laughs> Me. join on that to be like crying is just like coming for us. <laughs> yeah, I have to do it once a day. Yeah, yeah. and um, help mo mostly with a video. You know? yeah. yeah. Have you have you ever um have you ever cried after coming? I ever cried after? Not after. Not after. No. Before. Uh, you know that's, that's even weird. Yeah, Tom. yeah, yeah. No, I don't think I've ever cried around coming. Have you? Have you Once. Cried? Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Just I came and just bawled my eyes out afterwards. Shame or? No, no. I don't. No, 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 no shame. Um, yeah, shame. I was at the yoga <laughs> studio. Um, yeah, it was in my tunnels. That, yeah, was, the, no. that was the worst part. No, no, no. It was just like very regular sex with my girlfriend, and I, I just broke down and cried afterwards. Yeah. And no, no idea why. Yeah, I think 
that's why I think it is. Though. It's a, it's that emotional release. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's, it is quite similar to crying in that sense. It's like a catharsis. Yeah, that only we can experience through our penis. Yeah, I would say yeah, because coming a lot of the time is cathartic, isn't it? Because you're just like, I just need to relieve this like. Yeah. Te- like it doesn't feel pleasurable sometimes. Not like I'm just time. like, this is just going to make my day easier later. Yeah, there's a mechanical <laughs> element to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like going to the gym or something. Yeah. Or like, yeah, you know, it's like, just get that done. Yeah. And we can focus on the rest of the day. Do, do, do you find, because I found in most of my relationships, I don't know if this is universal or not, is like I've often found like my girlfriend will sort of be less interested in sex as things go on. Yeah. It might just be I'm very boring in bed. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but like I still sort of feel like. Like, it's more urgent that I'm like, oh, but I need it to sort of feel mm. calm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's not even like, oh, I need the pleasurable thing. It's just sort of, yeah. uh, I'll just make, like, I'll focus at work better. I'll be a better human being. Yeah. And, but then I feel like a dick because I'm like, I don't want to feel like you have to service me. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? And then I'm just like a fucking child. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but again, I think that's where those empathy paths mm. don't quite cross, where like, because listening or emotional attention, I think, is the corollary it's the complete opposite yeah. of coming yeah. <laughs> but, but like you know again like you've been in a relationship for a, a little while and like you know you start talking about more meaningful topics deeper mm. things come up real things come up and there's a, a demand you know reasonable demand for that you like engage with that and listen and go through that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and for dudes sometimes it's hard because we're like i want to cut to a solution yeah or you know if this is really bothering you how do we solve it whereas actually the thing they just want is listening right right which i think i something i've to try to understand more yeah. as I've got older. And I think, I wonder if like, again, there's like a similarity there where it's like, I just need this to happen. I just need some, you know, the sex just needs to happen. Yeah. The listening just needs to happen. <laughs> can we, can can we try and get on the same page? more inappropriate when someone's like, oh, I've got this really, really like sensitive emotional issue. And it's like, okay, but I need to come on your tits, tits. first <laughs> before I can listen. <laughs> And he was like, don't worry, we'll do that. And then I'm all in. All is. All is. He was like, oh my God, you're a fucking monster. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the dark ego of men. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do you, so do you think it is like just a man? Do you think it's just the testosterone? Is that the problem? Yeah. That's, that, that's, mostly, that's mostly the problem, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think like it's, it's just a, a biological thing of like as, as horny as women you get obviously it's hard i think it is our level of like inappropriateness mm. and like you said we can recognize it in ourselves and be like i wish this wasn't happening yeah, yeah i yeah. don't want this to be the case yeah all the time but it's like i'm living with it it's ha- there. how old are you if you don't mind me 37 have you found it subsided as you got older no 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 oh no oh that's not <laughs> the answer <I> <laughs> no not at all yeah the worst uh I know it's got worse. It definitely hasn't gone up. It, has, it doesn't feel like it's dropped off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not at all. Um, and I think, because I, I, what, I, what I've experienced a little bit is like, as I've dated women in their 30s now, they're a lot, they've spent more time figuring out what they want sexually. Yeah. And they get a bit more open about stuff like that. Right, And I have right. no qualms about demanding stuff, or asking for things or. Yeah, and pr- I suppose also like I imagine sort of body issues as well. There's so much more pressure on women when they're younger. Mm. Which, which sort of seems ironic because you're sort of, I don't want to be like, but you're probably at your most sort of like physically yeah. peak in like your early 20s, across your 20s or yeah. whatever. So you should probably be the least self-conscious. But mm-hmm. I feel like so many girls are very self-conscious even when they're absolutely gorgeous. And then I suppose that yeah. tapers off as you get older and more confident and yeah. sure of yourself. So I guess sex probably improves for women in that sense of just like feeling 
Yeah, I think so. Actually, I, I suppose men as well. Actually, no, there's probably dudes as well, because I guess dudes have all their insecurities about the size of their dick and stuff, which is a body yeah. issue, isn't it? Yeah, and no, I mean, yeah. speaking from my, I, when you're in your 20s as well, you don't have the other masculine elements. Like, you don't have, you know, you're not earning money particularly. Yeah. You don't have, like, resources and stuff that can make you feel like a dude. Can make yeah. you feel, like, capable of buying dinner and... That's, you know? so, that's so funny. I feel like I'll never have ah. <laughs> I'm never earning money ever. <laughs> Is that what it takes to feel like a real man? I, I think I think it shouldn't. Yeah. I, I think the healthiest people can just feel like a man just by, you know, being yeah. a good person and Yeah, yeah. You know. How you feel inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you feel more manly when you earn more money? I think that there was definitely a stretch in my life where like that was the number one correlation. Yeah, for sure. I would say like my, Really? Oh yeah, mid twenties to start my third mid early 30s that was like my if i'm there that was like a straight graph that's in so interesting yeah. yeah money money was never a thing that i i always thought that i don't know if it's like sort of i always saw myself as like a creative person yeah like well i probably will never make money but I'll yeah compensate by being interesting or something yeah but money was a big thing for you oh mate so that's my kind of my journey into like doing comedy and stuff was yeah when I was about, you know, I mean, eight, comedy is not the way to make money. Well, well, <laughs> well this is the thing. So, like when I was like 18, 19, I was doing a lot of acting. I was in the National Youth Theatre. Yeah. And my mum at the time was like, this is what you need to do. You need to, you should do something like this. Mm. And my dad was like, no, like you won't make any money from it. You won't, you know, you won't be able to support yourself. I'm not going to support you while you do this. Yeah. Yeah. And my mum was like, you should just try and figure it out basically. And I was so insecure about my own masculinity yeah. that I was like, I'm going to pursue the traditional. And I tried, I got into advertising because that was like a, a fudge. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. That's kind of creative, but you get paid and you know, da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. And then it took me kind of moving to New York, getting to somewhere decent in the advertising world professionally to be like, I don't want it. Yeah. Like, I can see what the next pay rise is and the next job role. And mm -hmm. it's like, I just don't want it at all yeah and i think everyone's different i needed to go through that to yeah, know yeah. that pursuing something more creative was what what age were you when you got to that 34 34 yeah was that like uh did you have a big existential crisis at that point yeah yeah definitely i was uh, so i met a girl in america that i thought I was gonna marry yeah and um that we broke up and then my brother was living in New York at the time. He moved back to England. Mm. My best friend in New York moved to LA. The other, my other really close friend moved to Hamburg. So I was left in New York. Oh no, with no one. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, no. I was having a really low moment. And I rang my brother yeah. and he's like, you just need to find something creative that's just yours. Yeah. And I thought about, cause I thought about going back into doing some amateur dramatic acting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I thought, well, at least even then I'm going to be at the mercy of a director and castmates and all that kind of shit. Mm. So I thought I'd always want to try stand up. I thought at least if I'm bad at it, it's just me. Yeah. It's just me. No one can prevent me from doing it. And then signed up, did one of those courses that like, it's good for getting you on stage. Yeah. yeah. For, like this is an open mic. Here's how we, mm. Yeah. yeah. And did it. My showcase went pretty well. And then I just, that was it. You were hooked. That was hooked. That was it. That was awesome. Yeah, but it took that moment. It took that, like, breaking down. Yeah. Well, it, it's scary. Well, sometimes, because I think people tell you sometimes, they're like, oh, money's not everything. But, like, it's so different when you actually experience, like, earning good money or whatever in a job that's got, I don't know, some sort of status thing around it. Yeah. Um, or was, like, seen as a good job, whatever that 
means and then you're suddenly like oh but i feel so empty <laughs> yeah <laughs> inside yeah. and it's quite scary and all of a sudden like oh what those people are talking about is actually just genuinely true 100 percent um i suppose it depends on your personality because i definitely have friends who are just like money orientated but the, it genuinely feels like the satisfaction is genuinely mm. it feels very um real to them do you know what i mean yeah. i'm like oh okay that's very convenient that's a very easy way to, <laughs> to go measure life. your success is just the yeah. numbers in your bank account 100 percent. and my brother's like that because he's yeah. he's got a family mm. and he's like this is a measure of my ability to look after my family mm. and so i don't judge him for that it's I th- you know, I th- in that sense it's yeah. quite a wholesome thing isn't it yeah it's like oh i'm trying to create a good family which is or like a yeah. healthy family atmosphere exactly so. and he's like i want enough security so that if anything bad happens they're all taken care of and yeah like say, that's quite a nice noble thing i think the only problem comes when it's not congruent with your actual self mm. when you're wearing a mask you're trying you're trying to be this person yeah because it might you know your dad is or, or whoever is society whoever it is in your life has influenced you that like this thing you find very natural and, yeah. and attractive actually isn't do, do you reckon it's, it's worse to be the the creative who's got like a very wealthy parent or whatever or do you reckon it's worse being the <laughs> the the offspring of a very creative mm. parent who is like why are you wasting your life making money <laughs> Ooh, interesting <laughs> I, I feel like i haven't seen that very often no like i'm gonna be a total square yeah you fucking crazy parents yeah. <laughs> that's interesting i know one person is a little bit in that yeah and uh they're yeah they, there's, there's some struggles mm. there's some struggles i think because well, if the artistic parent, I reckon, is off the wall, yeah, and they're not actually very attentive as a parent, yeah, I would imagine that would push you towards being a square because you're like, I'm going to create my own level of stability. Because kids, in one form or another, kids want stability. Yeah, yeah. Like they want rules and boundaries and to know they're safe. Yeah. So yeah. I reckon if that parent isn't giving it to them, they try and create it. Right, right, right. It's sort of like a gift to their younger self or something. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, Interesting. but you're right though. You don't see that as a trend, do you? No, okay. maybe maybe those kids just die. Penniless artist, just like ah, it's not happening. Yeah, like, no one's putting any pressure on me. Yeah, yeah. No one's making me do this. <laughs> this well, is fine. I, I always get fears that there's um because a lot of my friends I've met who have very stable upbringings, mm. and I mean like very and very stereotypical sort of like nuclear families, sort of happy yeah. families and stuff, tend to be the most either insecure. Or like um, spoil, do you know what I mean? And then they become kind of like shitty people. Mm-hmm. Whereas like my friends who've had a bit of hardship or whatever seem like more cool people. But then I'm like, oh, is it the responsibility of the parent to foster <laughs> some sense of like struggle in their child? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because I was like, oh, you don't you don't want to give your child everything because otherwise they'll just be yeah. intolerable. <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. I think that's a really interesting <laughs> question about is it your job to give them. I think if you have, because there's different ways of struggling through things. Yeah, yeah. There's like financial stability is one thing. Yeah. But like in our house, like I had uh, to deal with a lot of emotional trauma with my parents. Okay. I, I don't mean mine, I mean theirs. I mean, like, okay, they, yeah, yeah. My mum in particular had been through a lot of shit mm. um, that bled into like our lives yeah. as kids. So whilst there was material comfort, there was, there was definitely. Mo- um, a big part of childhood for me as the oldest that was about coping with that, mm. which I think then does give you. How, how many siblings do you have? Uh, three. Was, there's four of us in total. Uh, and you're, so and you're, you're the big yeah. boy. There's four. Well, at five foot seven. <laughs> 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 are, you, are your other siblings all massive? 
No, Toby, my brother's uh, 18 months younger than me. He's five yeah. foot nine, and he like lords it over. Oh, really? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the tallest. Exactly average height yeah. of a man in yeah. the UK. Yeah. I'm a giant. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, I'm the tallest hobbit in the Shire. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. It was really rough at family Christmases, though, because my dad's side of the family, they're all like six foot five. Really? They're all like rugby lads. Yeah. Oh. Huge dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were the youngest kids. Oh, no wonder you had complexes about Mate, I, manliness it, or whatever. It was quite, I mean, I don't know if you, you have like any similar. I, I was scared. I used to be. Re, I can remember feeling so scared going to family gatherings. Yeah. Because I was like, there's all these like big men. Yeah. Who yeah. are all older than me. Yeah. Who are just going to be taking the piss out of the fact that I'm like fat and wearing glasses, and <laughs> oh I, I want to like. <laughs> yeah. I want to like do a, a performance. Yeah. I, I, I used to want to perform all the like family events and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And like. Can I do the hucker? Yeah. <laughs> I've got some great moves. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that was pretty much it, yeah. And uh, I think that did ingrain in me a, a level of like, this thing you enjoy doing yeah. is not, you shouldn't want to do that. Yeah, There's something yeah. natural about this thing mm. that you want to do. Because I remember like Jack once asked me, he's like, oh, he's like, I, you know, he said, I like doing acting as well. Yeah. Like, you know, Goodfellas, da, da, da. And I was like, nah, I wanted to do like musicals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. West End, <laughs> yeah. probably like, uh, what was it? Hairspray and all yeah, that sort of stuff. I was stuff. like, no, I want to sing and dance. <laughs> I could see you, actually. You got that sort of, um, I don't know, I could see you on yeah. stage doing that sort of yeah. stuff. Do you ever want to get back into that? I think if it came up through like what I'm doing now, yeah. I'd be, I would be very open to it. Mm. But the whole, I, mean, I don't know how you feel. The, the one thing that's great about stand-up, yes, you have to fight for stage time and stuff, mm. but you are very self-directed. Oh, completely. That's that's one of my main draws on yeah. it. I, I also feel, I felt very bad for all my actor friends who in the pandemic were just so fucked because mm. they, you know, the number of, the amount of collaboration you need for it to just happen. Yeah. And that doesn't mean it's good <laughs> yeah. what you're producing. Yes. Um, it, it's just so tedious. Mm. I'm like, one person drops out, the whole thing's fucked. Um, and also, like, you don't get all the glory either, which is, like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's quite a narcissistic thing. But it's nice to be, like, I completely made this. Um, I am the talent, and I take... I, I like I like the stakes of being, like, you take all the punishment yeah. responsibility, but also you take all the reward for it, which is nice. And I, I don't think there's many creative things where you get no that sort of, uh, I don't know, um, level of... Uh, Autonomy. Autonomy over it, yeah. Yeah. Which I love. Um, and also I love that you can just do it anywhere. Like you can do it in a bar basement and I love, yeah. and it can be great. 100%. You know, it can be such a good performance. Yeah. Um, and it's just raw. I like just the, the scaled backness of like um, just someone talking in the microphone. Mm -hmm. um, although it is hilarious that you just get outstaged by any other level of performance <laughs> that ever happens. It's like if someone sings, <laughs> yeah. you're just like, okay, well, stand-up's not going to work yeah. for the rest of the evening because that's real talent over there. Yeah. It's like, um, it's like, have you ever followed a cabaret? Uh, um, <laughs> well, I think anyone who, I think everyone's booked, we'll book shows. Yeah. Like the hard thing, if someone does music, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, it's like you have, to, you have to put them last. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it doesn't matter who in front of them? Yeah, I, I, I'll put a musical act on to open if it's a bit of an awkward show. Right, Because right. then it's sort of like you scale into it and no one's like expecting stand-up. Mm -hmm. No one's like, it's sort of pre-programs them for stand-up if it's a musical act mm -hmm. who talks in between. But I know if they're a huge, like someone like Christy Koish, mm -hmm. never want to follow him because he's just too much. He's like dancing, he's like getting yeah. his belly out. Like, yeah. it's too much of a show. Of a show. And I'm too lazy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like... I just want to stand there and talk. I don't even want to do like 
like gesticulation with yeah. my hand. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just want to say my words and yeah. leave. <laughs> yeah. I, that is, you, raise, you raise a good point. That is a tough thing. One of the tough things about stand up, and I think what's why comedians get in trouble where other artists don't, mm. is it's, it looks like talking. It just look, it yeah. reminds the audience of activi an activity they do every day, mm. whereas playing guitar doesn't. Yeah, it, like it doesn't look like talent a lot of the time. Yeah. Up. But that's why you get so many people like, I could do stand-up. And then yeah. they go and die. And yeah. you're like, ha, 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 It's not the worst thing about, yeah. like, you finish a show and it's always a guy in his, like, mid to late 20s. Yeah. He's like, oh, or his friend be like, should get Dave up there, mate? Yeah. And should Dave, get Dave on next oh, week? And Dave's always the least funny guy you've ever met yeah. in your life. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, no, Dave should stay yeah. away. Tell him what he said. Dave, tell him what he said at the office. Well, walked in and he asked me how I was doing. And I was like, not bad for a Monday. <laughs> it's when they always have this one where they're like, um, what is this? Like, you can have that one. You can yeah. have that one. Don't oh. tell anyone. And they're like, "Why well, did chicken cross the road?" And you're like, well, "Why are you telling me this?" That joke? kills me. <laughs> everyone knows. The, the other one, because I'm from Leeds. Yeah. The one I, the thing I get quite a lot is uh, either, either, mate, I don't know how you're doing it these days. Like, you can't say anything, can you? <laughs> and then they, then they reel off a list of horrific things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I didn't want to say any of those yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, have you, have you seen Ricky Gervais' new special? I haven't. I haven't. I, I wanted to watch it before I came in, but I didn't oh, get Oh, I, I watched the first half of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It feels like standard Ricky Gervais, to be honest. But it, yeah. it's really interesting with all the um, the chat of, like, the you can't say anything mm. anymore. And, so, and I feel like it's such a... Someone showed me an article from, like... It was like an excerpt from, like, a thing in the 1800s. Mm. And they were having the same conversation. Of course. It was all about religion. Yeah. Instead of, like, you know, political correctness and that yeah. sort of thing. And I was just like, oh, my God, this just comes and goes and constantly. And there's a different target new. for what you can't yeah. talk about. Yeah, 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 completely. So I remember being, um, so the early 2000s, it was all about, it was all right-wing stuff. It was all conservatism was, mm. they were the faction that was saying, don't say this. It was all post Yeah, like around the Vietnam War sort of time, well, there I was mean, like a lot of things where they were like the left wing, and at least in America, was so hard on free speech. Yeah. Yeah, because at, yeah. The, because at the time it was like because of McCarthyism, yeah, that sort of. Stuff. It was like you yeah. must support, yeah, because the narrative, the dominant cultural narrative at the time was you have to support the troops, you have to support the war. So the countercultural movement was mm. freedom of speech around, you know, decrying it. Yeah, and yeah. In the, in the early two thousands, post nine eleven, in Britain and, and with the Iraq War, mm. it was you have to be for patriotism, you have to be for mm. um, Western imperial expansion to some degree. And if you weren't, you were being told that you well, were... Democratization was the... Yeah. <laughs> the Democracy that was, was the, the uh, nice word for it. That was it? the branding. <laughs> yeah. Democracy's great branding for... Uh, when we choose who's in power. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we... No, no. there are... Yeah, there are elections. We elect them. Yeah. That, is, yeah, yeah. that is how it works. Because um, there's a great... Uh, clip Patrice O'Neill goes on Fox. I think in like 2002, mm. he was doing some jokes about um, like 9/11, New York, mm. and they go like, "This is inappropriate. You can't talk about this." And he, he has a really nice analogy, which was, "It's like evil can evil, trying to jump uh, a chasm. Mm. It's like whether he makes it or not, he gets paid for the attempt." Yeah, and it's same for a comic. Mm. Like. Mm. We're trying whether you whether the end product is something you personally don't agree with. Yeah, our intent was to make people well, laugh. Well, th this is the thing I always find very interesting when people say about comics when they're like they should know better than to go up there and say that thing in the first place. And it's like the only reason they're saying that is because um, they've done a bunch of little rooms. Yeah, where it, the majority of the time people have laughed. Yeah, because if they haven't, 
then they they'll stop doing it because mm-hmm. they're not doing their job at that point. So it really is on the audience. <laughs> in that, like it's it's a it's a yeah. very weird like um like I I don't think I I think the public generally see comedians as leading the zeitgeist, mm. but I really don't think they are. I think the comics generally follow the zeitgeist Reacting to and it. exploit it, which is and it, which is why they deal in stereotypes so much of the time mm-hmm. because they're like a tool that. You know the audience underst- has preconceptions, and your whole yeah. game is to break preconceptions. So you, you know, you sort of you keep presenting a stereotype, breaking it. That sort of yeah, that sort of is the game of comedy. But to, but to your point, to do that, you have to acknowledge what those stereotypes are. Yeah, yeah, completely. And they have to be well known enough that yeah. people in that room can be. Like, oh yeah, I see what you're subverting. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is why it's so hard to sort of. Um, and then I don't know where I stand on that thing when people are like, oh, but they, they're reinforcing stereotypes by doing that, which is probably, there probably is some truth in that. But I, I never really saw comedy as sort of the impetus for changing hearts and minds. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Otherwise, they'd all be politicians. Yeah, like, yeah I agree. I, which is actually creepy because nowadays they are they becoming are. politicians. You're like, Ugh. And politicians are increasingly... It's that guy becoming who, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Trump was fucking hilarious. So, I mean, that that is the underlying... Uh, uh, truth, I think, about why so many comedians found him so attractive to right. talk about riff on. He, yeah, he was a funny, funny guy. He was guy. fucking crazy. He was like yeah. an unbelievable. He was like a character from a sitcom. Yeah. I'd be like, I, if someone told me like ten years ago he was going to be mm. the leader or whatever, I'd just be like, well, that's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like he's too ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think he's he's done. I think the damage he actually did to democracies around the world, not just America's, mm. is going to be like felt for years and did years you, the and fake years. news thing and I, refusing I think, to resign i think distrust in institutions is a big one yeah because when you have democratically elected i mean yeah we can do the whole red pill argument about like how free are our elections how democrat well, whatever but like yeah. freer than like a comp- china let's say yeah, yeah, yeah. um the, the the only thing holding those things together is belief that the institutions matter yeah, yeah. Or that the institutions are valid yeah. and when you start picking apart those things that's when you get disintegration and yeah yeah i suppose that was always what i wondered about the economy was whether the economy's because it's always spoken about like it's a real thing but yeah. then it's all backed up by just yeah I, I can't work out whether it is just backed up by the belief that everyone's like oh there's enough money mm-hmm. there to go around so it's fine well it's like the, what's what then you're into like what's the concept of money yeah yeah it's in the 80s so it used to be that Currencies were tied to a gold standard. Yeah. So a deviation from the price of gold. Yeah. Currencies measured on. Then in the eight, well, Nixon took America off the gold standard yeah. to, to increase money supply. And then in the eighties, Reagan and Thatcher, Reagan's government invented this thing called monetarism, mm. where it meant that you could make money gambling on the outcome of other people's stock trades. Yeah. So like you would say, you know, I'm, I'm going to put twenty dollars into the water company, and then I can say I'm going to bet on the fact that Luke's trade doesn't go very well, mm. and then I can get paid. So whether or not you make money, mm. I get make money on my bet, and that never used to be allowed. Yeah, and then it became allowed in the eighties. So the idea of what money was got lost. Somewhere. Yeah, and presumably also like there's that whole thing. Even if you have a fixed amount, uh, people will change prices. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really matter how much yeah. there is because you can always divide that into whatever amount you want. Yes. And that is what a price is. It's like what percentage of the yeah. money value is it? Yeah. And what we agree it to be. Yeah. Because like, for example, with um, petrol prices, yeah. you, if you want it, I'm not saying this is a good idea. If you wanted to, the government could cap it and say petrol can't cost more than X. Mm. And the government will subsidize it and it will, will cover the rest through taxation or through borrowing or whatever it is. Yeah. That's in their 
they could I'm not saying it's a good idea, but they could technically do that. Yeah. Which then calls into question, well, what's the value of that? Yeah, thing? yeah. Because you can manipulate it any way you want, yeah. really. Um, like we do it all the time with food prices. Like they don't allow milk to go above a certain price. Yeah, so yeah. Parents can feed kids and et cetera, et cetera. It's, uh, I think that was one of, the, one of the really weird things about COVID was you just print money to solve a problem. Yeah. And you're like, could we have just done that with like homelessness? Well, could we have just done that with? This was because I remember like reading everyone's against quantitative easing. Yeah, there's a real fear of it because they're like, well, it doesn't do anything because everyone just raises their prices to meet the thing. But then I was thinking, why don't you just do it but not tell anyone? <laughs> right, go on. <laughs> and then you've just got extra money floating around, <laughs> but no one knows. Like if it was just the dude who runs like the whoever's got the power to print money or whatever, just like I'm just gonna throw in ten billion, mm -hmm. not tell anyone. Because yeah. I, I remember reading during the the 2008 thing, there were literally just admin fuck ups. Yeah where people would just type in an extra zero by accident. And it's like, well, that's one zero <laughs> could be hundreds of billions of pounds and it's gone into the yeah. stock market. So I'm like, effectively, that money is now that. live going on and being traded with. Yeah. But if no one knows, no one's going to change their behavior. Yeah. So everyone's going to maintain the idea that it's like, oh, but we're, there's, we've only got this much, we've only got this much yeah. so it'd be a bit frugal. So I'm like, surely that would... Provided you did it in secret, you yeah. could just throw out more money and then so, so what, so what, it what, wouldn't cause like, yeah. it wouldn't change the economy in any way. Yeah. So we need a, uh, we need an economic Santa Claus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, that's one of the reasons of the inflation look, I think. If I, I'm not an economist, but if you would do yeah. that, that would create like a huge inflation and the... No, no, but that's, but that's the point. If no one knows, it doesn't create inflation. Yeah, no, no, it does. Because you're adding more money, like more, let's say, supply. Yeah, more yeah. coins into the like the the market, so you have more, so the the values. Yeah, yeah, but that that's only if people no, so it's like it's only if people know. No, 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 because because <laughs> people will change their prices. So inflation is like uh, the devaluation of the currency, right? Yeah. But if people don't know that inflation has occurred. They don't change their behavior, so no one changes prices. No one uh, raises like income. No one lowers income. Anything I think like that. I'm not an expert, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like, no. I've watched lots of like these TV <laughs> shows that yeah, they just but, talk about but, economy, but and never... you're like, yeah, that's one of the reasons. Because uh, a lot of like sometimes they just ask the stupid questions, like, hey, why don't we print more money? Yeah, and he's just like, um, it's it would create more inflation. That's yeah, why. yeah, but even that, but if that's, you don't tell people, that that's if they announce it. Because, yeah. no, but it's no, no, always no. because no, of behavior. Yeah, because Luke's, Luke's in a fictitious scenario. Yeah, yeah, I'm in an imaginary scenario. Oh, but like, I don't know, because I remember I used to have this argument a lot in... um. So my, my degree is in international politics or whatever, and it was like we used to have a... There's a huge like debate between what's called like the... They're like the rationalist school of mm -hmm. economics, and they're mm -hmm. sort of the dominant one, and they're very like scientific about how everything works, but yeah. economics is not a science because it's all tied to how you think people will behave yeah, and people's behavior is basically rational. they just assume everyone's rational yeah. because that's an easy proxy to yeah. sort of create numbers. But like all the numbers around economics are really based in like what you think happens sociologically or like how you think people behave, which is why something like inflation, which is like they always treat it like it's a science. It's like if you do X, then Y happens. But if you manipulate certain factors around it, it's like mm. people's behavior doesn't necessarily change or you can manipulate, which is what like, 
teens. Take it like this. If to produce a pint of milk, yeah. you need certain things. You need yeah. like water. You need like you're paying a salary. You need like uh, the cereal for the cow, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. um, all you like by by or by getting these things, you just uh, you're m circulating money. When you print money, nothing ha like there is you're just adding stuff in there. So the offer is bigger. Um, yeah. And that would create inflation. I'm just trying to give you like an example for what I remember. I'm, mm. As I said, I'm not an expert. No, so but, uh, you're 100% you're yeah. correct. In, yeah. the real, in the real world, you're 100% correct. Luke's, okay. talking, Luke's talking about a world where basically people wake up with like, huh, there's 400 quid in my mattress. Where did yeah, that, yeah. that come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> that, yeah, because that would be the, you'd just be like, oh, it's fine. And you don't assume like the whole economic supply has got Yeah, this, this, this is like little pots of gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running that's around. what I reckon you could get away with. Yeah. So I reckon I might be wrong. You're probably right. <laughs> like just direct direct deposits. Yeah, just yeah. little like Santa Claus direct deposits. Oh yeah, because yeah. I, I always thought that was what the the problem with bankers and stuff was like they always have all the information of like what's going on with the global supply, so they mm. manipulate that all the time, which is why they end up with so much money. Yeah. Or like financiers. Or well, that was, that was the big problem with quantitative easing was that yeah. they solved the money supply thing. They didn't then prevent what it could be spent on. Yeah. So people who had money just bought assets. So, right, then, right. so like if you already had the capability to get buy a house, you're like, sweet, I'm gonna mm. get more of those things. Or like buy bonds or whatever, and then the rich just got richer off the back of yeah. what was meant to help um like spread a bit more money out throughout the economy, ended up just concentrating more <laughs> in people's hands. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go us. Yeah. Yeah. But uh it's a. but I, I think that is that is gonna be the biggest legacy of Trump, for sure. That, yeah. that people just find it so hard to believe in institutions anymore. Yeah. And then you're like, well, That's so funny. The only thing I'm going to remember Trump for was like, just grab him by the pussy. <laughs> well, I remember being, so I was living in New York when that happened. Yeah. And I remember watching that on the news and everyone around me was like, this is it. He's done. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. he's toast. And I was like, I don't think he is because this isn't, this isn't the worst thing he said on the campaign trail. Mm. So that it was probably the most visible thing. Yeah, but like yeah. at rallies and stuff, he'd been making fun of disabled people. Yeah, his rallies like, were insane. They were insane. Yeah. They were absolutely insane. And I remember watching the first. So we watched the first debate in a bar, um, downtown. And you know, you can imagine downtown New York. Everyone, anytime Hillary says anything, I was like, they went woo. Mm. But I think working in advertising, I was like watching it, going, "He's won this debate." Mm. And my brother was like, "No, he hasn't. She's policy this, policy that." And I was like. He's got the best sound bites. Yeah. And maybe 100,000 people watch this debate. 10 million people are going to see these sound bites over, yeah, and, over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah. And it's going to come out looking like, it's like a pro wrestling match. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, gonna... so he's literally done that. Hasn't yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Shane Gillis has that great joke where they're in the um, uh, Republican primaries mm -hmm. and, everyone, and Ted Cruz is like, education. Yeah. And Jeb Bush is like, healthcare. And Donald Trump Trump's like, Ted's wife's a fat pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, we could do that. Well, it's like, like I, I got to say, I haven't watched any, kept up with any American politics since Trump left. Mm. And like, I, I wasn't actively following Trump yeah. either, but I just remember when he was there, I, I haven't heard anything about Biden at all. Uh, he's got the low, he's got even lower approval ratings than Trump. Oh my God. Yeah. Because he just isn't as fun. Because <laughs> he, I mean, he was brought in, well, he was brought in to get rid of Donald Trump. That's Yeah, the, yeah. But then, the narrative was like a safe pair of hands. Yeah, yeah. He knows how to get deals done. He can like, you know, centrist, work with Republicans. He's just out to lunch. Yeah. I mean, it's becoming harder and harder for anyone, even people who support him, to pretend he isn't 
completely out to lunch. Right. right. Like he did a whole speech about uh, Russia. Wait, what, what does out to lunch? Mean? Just like gone. He's left the. You know, his mind's gone. Oh, he's actually fucking mad. I mean, he's an eighty-two-year-old, I think. It wasn't Trump 80? even older. I think Trump, Trump was seven. the oldest. Was yeah. Came in. I'll check it in a second. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe, How old is Joe Biden? So maybe he's like eighty something, but he's had brain surgery. He's had major brain surgery <laughs> before. They've opened the top of the guy's head. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, there's like a, a tumor or something. Oh Jesus. Yeah. And like even during the Obama years, the sort of back then it was jokey. Like, yeah. It was like, ah, yeah. oh, Joe, you know. Mince, you know, gets his words wrong. He's or just drooling. Yeah. Oh, you know, Joe masturbating frequently in the envelope. Yeah. You know, this classic Joe. Joe is uh, seventy-nine, guys. Seventy-nine. How, how old's Trump? Oh, hold on. Because I think you're right. He's older. Because I think Trump was seventy-eight when he was mm. in. I Seventy-five. But I think um. I don't know why. I believe that uh, Trump was the one actually like deciding stuff. But I think Biden is just like someone that is just there to say stuff. Just and there is just someone figurehead. behind. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. They, at the end they don't take the decisions. Do they? Yeah. Well, well, no, I, not really. That's around. Yeah. I think, but that's the job of like a president or whatever. Well, they do make the decision formally, but yeah, I feel like it's the people around them. Yeah, like yeah, they have like advisors and people like that. Of course, but there's, there's actually been a big. So George Bush's presidency is a huge expansion of power mm. for the president. Because they're saying Dick Cheney was always pulling this. Yeah, so Dick, George so Dick Cheney on George Bush's behalf expanded yeah. exec, it's called executive power. Yeah. Um, because used to be that Congress played a much, much bigger role in right. making big decisions. And they sort of moved a lot of decision-making into the executive branch. The president could do it. And then Obama, he expanded it as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, so things like drone strikes and stuff like that. Yeah. There's like a lot of um, legal finagling around, is that, is that an act of war? Because yeah. only Congress can declare war. And uh -huh. the, he's like, no, it's not war. It's a military operation. And the president, <laughs> so it's like- Just a bomb, guys. Yeah. It's not a war bomb. Yeah, it's just a wedding. They're just all dead. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. They can't fight back. It's not a real war if they can't fight back. Yeah, if it's a massacre. I mean, a yeah. <laughs> military operation. I mean, no, just a, I don't know, just a rogue drone. Yeah. Either way, very successful. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, he's just, he's just this weird figurehead up there. And I, but I think that he's the worst. I think people thought he'd be a good follow for Trump. Yeah. Because he'd be stable and secure. I think he's actually the worst follow mm. because he's he is furthering the erosion of the belief that anything matters. Right, right. Because exactly what you said, people are like, he's not real. He's a figurehead. Mm. Yeah. So who is making the decisions? Did we elect the people who are making the decisions? So who, who would it? have been a good follow-up, do you reckon? <sighs> I think... If Elon, it, Elon Musk. <laughs> what do you think about Alexandro Ocasio-Cortez? I think that... So what was... I think the I think she has great intentions. Okay. I think she has great intentions. I think she wants to do things that she believes are good, progressive things. That You're gonna have to catch about. me. I haven't followed who is she. So Andrew, she's kind of the head of the progressive element of the Democratic Party. She's oh. a congresswoman in New York. Mm. Um, Queens is like her one of the, the boroughs she represents, and she's big on this thing called the Green New Deal. That was her big thing, mm -hmm. which was, you know, the, the New Deal was what Franklin Roosevelt did after. World War II about uh, no after the Great Depression. There was like loads and loads of investment in public giving people jobs. Yeah. And... yeah, yeah. After the Great Depression, sorry. Yeah. And she was like, I want to do a new version of that, which is for the green economy. Okay. So giving which is a great idea, like giving people jobs in So the, in like green, in green energies tech. and yeah, Okay. Yeah, yeah. So solving yeah. an economic and uh, environmental yeah. crisis at the same time. So like I think that's a very laudable, sensible yeah. thing. But it just gets tied up with um left wing Twitter. So she mm. then panders to any element of extremely woke left wing 
Twitter. Because she wants votes from them. Yeah. It's like she turned up at the Met Gala with a dress that said, like, tax the rich. Right. She's at a $20,000 a plate meal <laughs> yeah yeah okay with a with a dress that says tax the rich i was it must be hard being a left-wing politician because i always feel like left-wing is sort of like generally trying to shake things up right and change things more than your average conservative who wants to keep things maintain a sort of status quo or traditionalism or something. well i think that's really interesting so I, th yeah. I think at the minute you've got the inverse do you reckon uh, yeah i think especially in america because the left wing has one one culture Right. Okay. So if you, so if you think yeah. about like the '80s, you know, the how do you win culture? Well, well, I think like in the '80s or when we were growing up, yeah, the dominant narrative was like, you know, gay marriage would have been uh, a fringe subject. Mm. It would have, you know, uh, would have been hard for people to live any lifestyle that wasn't um, sort of post World War II heteronormative. Yeah. You know, other cult other cultures living in any Western country weren't really embraced, and I think in the last twenty years, there's been huge strides made. You know, like gay marriage, for example, mm. um, would have been a, a, a huge like tick on the board there, and people's general acceptance of people's diversity, I think, has been a really strong piece of progress. That mm. um, feel that that feels like the dominant cultural narrative currently, and regressing against that is the um, less common move. I suppose, yeah, I suppose you're kind of right in the sense that now you're seeing um, sort of yeah rebellious right wingers. Yeah, and they're being seen. like someone like Milo Yiannopoulos or yeah. someone, and they're sort of they're sort of cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is like I always thought of conservatives growing up as really stuffy, really boring, bland mm -hmm. sort of things. And then I guess yeah, you are getting these um sort of radical conservatives, yeah. or like, I suppose the alt right in some way, or Proud yeah. Boys. They have like a whole glitzy social media thing going on, which are a bit like, what well, is yeah. fucking weird? Like, and yeah. young people getting involved, which is also strange. You're yeah. like, what? Well, I think if you give if when young people feel cut adrift, yeah, like we were, you know, we're all teenagers. We all remember what that felt like mm. to like be searching for an identity or searching for something. Yeah, if yeah. someone can come along and say, "These, this will solve your problems." Yeah, and more importantly, this is the reason for your problems. <laughs> Racism <laughs> solve all your problems. Actually, I, that probably is exactly how people get indoctrinated. Yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, look at back at how fascism spread through Europe. That was yeah, that yeah. was you know, define an enemy. Yeah, yeah. Define the solution to that enemy and you roll from there yeah um because with with aoc i like i say i think she's um a well-intentioned person i just think she's probably falling f not f look she's way smarter than me but she i think is probably a bit um at the mercy of that woke left-wing mob yeah the way that right-wing politicians have to support trump yeah because okay without supporting him there's no yeah leverage so everyone is supporting trying to win the support of people that they don't, don't like. like so there's, there's a comedian in new york and if you guys have seen him tyler fisher you seen this know, guy man. uh it rings a bell yeah so he's a funny funny dude <coughs> yeah uh, really, really funny comedian but in terms of embracing the audience that will have you like yeah, yeah so he was trying to get signed by an art by a management company and this management company stupidly wrote back and said, we can't sign you because you're a white man. Oh, they said it as they point said it blank. Like that. that was the wording. Like we think you're talented and- But you're a white man. But you're a white guy. Yeah, which is so stupid. Yeah, it's like, even if that is the reason you say something, it's not a good time at the moment. Well, like, that's 98% of managers jobs. All, yeah, all yeah, yeah. Like, cushion those sort of brutal blows. Yeah, <laughs> like we can't put you in anything or we don't see a path for you right now. Wish you all the best. But wouldn't there also be, I mean, if you state it that, 
strongly as well. There's a legal claim, isn't there? Because then it's yeah, you can take them to court, and that's, that would, and that's what he's doing. Okay, cool. Oh, he is. So he's suing. Oh, they've fucked up really bad. And this yeah. artist company reached out to him and said, "Can we settle out of court?" Yeah. And he said, "No, I'm taking this all the way. Yeah. I, this discrimination will not stand." Now, we, we all probably re reacted the same way, which is like, "Yes, on paper, you're right, and you've but got." I got rejected from a job for the same reason once. Really? But they had to change. I didn't complain, but. Then they, so what they did to get around it, because it did hit um, the particular job role, I then saw hit Twitter with a few people being like, why are they mm. doing this thing? And they changed it to an internship, but it was mm. full salary, right. which they put as a stipend, so it wasn't a job. Interesting. And it was like, but you could tell that they, they had like fucked up because they had literally yeah. said in the thing, it was like, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> well, you can't. Is the, yeah. Is so the, so what, where are they at now? So where they're at is he's said, I'm going to the mattresses on this. Yeah. I am suing them. There'll be no settlement. Mm. We're taking this all the way. And well, I think we probably all react quite similarly, which is like, yeah, technically you're right. There is a case there. Yeah. But I think what he's finding a little bit now is He's attracting people who are like, yeah, man, that's yeah. right. They can't say nothing no more. Yeah, and, and that isn't that isn't necessarily the audience he wants. Yeah, or like maybe he's at a crossroads now where he has to decide: does he go full Nick DiPaolo? Yeah, and just full like, wait, are you joking anymore? Or are you or are you actually? Yeah, yeah. You know, over there, pandering to a political. Well, I think I don't know. I mean, I think for a comedian, it's always I don't know. My my instinct would be just stay true to yourself, and it's like. If you if you pander to any audience, that audience will eventually disappear as yes. the zeitgeist changes. Yes, and you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that fuckhead who's just cynically following everything that's a trend. Yeah, because that could bite you in the ass in the future. And also, just like as a human being, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> do you know? No, what you, like, must, you must feel gross. You, you got to feel an honest yeah. thing. And I feel like. It's kind of the integrity of a comedian is actually like comedians are supposed to be quite subversive or naturally subversive because that's mm. where sort of humor tends to lie. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, sometimes you'll be on the right side. Sometimes you'll be on one side of things and other times you'll be yeah. on the others. And it's like you just stay true to that sort of like, well, other people are interpreting me in this way. And that's, yeah. that's not what I mean. And that's their problem for thinking that. Or exactly. Do you know what I mean? It's like because I suppose it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because it's like. I always thought that about immigration. Immigration is always an interesting one because it's like you can't get away from the fact that racists are always going to be anti-immigration. Mm. But there are other reasons to be anti-immigration that have nothing to do with race. Mm. You know, like it could be purely economic or um, not even anti. Just like to have like a a con some level of control. Because yeah. like most countries have some level of control on immigration, mm -hmm. and it doesn't. It, it's interesting in the UK and the US, it ties so heavily to racism. Yeah. Whereas like in other countries, you know, they have the most brutal sort of like, mm -hmm. nah, you just if you're not of this country, you can't come well, here. Australia, you can't work here. Yeah. Yeah. But but I mean, other countries like you know, countries um like Japan mm. is not <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah easy to go no. and work in. Um. And, you know, there's not that same zeitgeist culture there of being like, this is racist. They're just sort of like, this is, yeah, we want to do our own economic thing. It's our culture, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's very difficult to sort of talk about it without it discussing that sort and of thing. And I think thing. you're right. And you're always going to attract racism. Racism is always going to be like, yeah, I support you. And yeah. you're like, no, I'm not making that fucking place. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't know how you separate those things. I, I don't know if there's enough nuance in the zeitgeist to talk about. Well, things with that. I mean, all we can do is try, I guess. But yeah. I mean, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think as a comedian, and this is why I, I'm worried, not worried, not Tyler doesn't mean to worry for him, but I think mm. if I was one of his friends, where I'd be worried for him is 
what you said is bang on. I think if your stance is always, I will take the funny side. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter what where that leans in our Western political landscape. Mm. I will just take the funny side yeah. of the issue. Then I think you buy yourself a lot more right to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Over time, yeah. I think Over when time, you have a clear yeah, ideology yeah. and you uh, espouse an ideology and you're funny, mm. I think that's where on either political side you can, people can say, well, that's a, you believe that. Mm. That's a statement. Or you have an intent behind that. Yeah, yeah. So like, like I said, Nick, do you know Nick DiPolo, American comedian? Uh, no. He used to be, he was massive in that sort of 2000. He was on, he was big friends with Colin Quinn. He's a seller, comic, comedy seller. Right, right, yeah. But in the last like five years, he's leaned into like full on MAGA. Really? Wow. Like doing steroids, bench pressing in his <laughs> garage. Like he's still a funny comedian, but he's, yeah. he's gone down the path of this is where the money is. Yeah. There's an, there's an, uh, audi- there's an audience over here yeah. that will buy t-shirts and come to shows more like a rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, to be the only thing I can say, to be fair, economically, it'll be rewarding for a certain amount of time. And that's and that's why I think. Yeah. But that's kind of back to our start of the conversation about the mm. money thing. Mm. It's like at that point, how is this any different to working in advertising or working? Yeah, in yeah. Well, I I would agree with you. The the joy of stand up is having that freedom over the monetary reward. Yeah. And it, and it's like at that point, you're not. I wouldn't be like you're an artist at that point. You're now a product of. Or, or you're capitalizing yeah. your your thing, which yeah. is fine. You've got to make a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do on some level, but it, it definitely does impede the... I think it impedes the quality of the stand-up that you make. Uh, yeah. Because like my favorite stand-ups are always sort of like quite difficult to know where they stand, stand on certain... Like at least political issues, do you know? Or they, or they just never present it in a way that's like as a left wing or as a right wing pun. And it's it, it's much more interesting when you're talking about the human yeah. contradictions of personality or whatever. There's way more interesting. I mean, I think that's why Saturday Night Live has got less funny in the last in, in the Trump era. Really? Yeah. Because any joke, I mean, like we're talking to the master here of the pullback and reveal. Yeah. yeah. But any joke they present on Saturday Night Live. So they, they pick a premise, mm. like, you know, the Roe v. Wade stuff has been going on recently. Yeah, yeah. You know exactly where that joke's going. Mm. It's not good. There's no, there's never gonna be an angle which is like, yeah, maybe. You know, Here are the good things of a boy. Yeah. Yeah. And there might, there might be a brilliant sketch out there that could. But, yeah. But they will sacrifice that brilliant sketch. I'm not saying there is, but there might yeah. be. But they will never even look at it. Yeah. Because yeah. it has to land the ideological point. And it would be very clear that we're on this side of it. Yeah. Yeah, because i, I got to say, I always found, like, the funniest sort of political humor, if you wanted to call it that, like, the ones I found were the most lasting were the ones where it's like, it's not that they're trying to prove a point. Yes. It's that they're presenting the way things are in a humorous way. So it's like, did you ever watch Brass Eye? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brass Eye I always thought was brilliant because you could not really tell, like, it didn't really, it, it was saying, like, the media's fucked up and here's yeah. how it is and present the whole range of things, but you could never explicitly say whether it's like a left wing or a right wing. Yeah. I mean, everyone who writes it is quite left wing, but like they don't really go into that. It's yeah. more like just here's everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone's mad. And this is a semi believable thing. We're, we're so mad that this is a semi semi believable news show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's brilliant. And it stood the test of time and it comes back in and out of relevance I, as things so have changed. Whereas. Because the thing it's poking fun at is humanity. Yeah, yeah. Our it's frailty, very humane, yeah. our ego, mm. our sense of self. That's what's really poking for. Yeah, Which, but it, it's also difficult because it's also so offensive to a lot of people. 
But you can so clearly tell it's like, well, that's a mirror to yourself. It's not... Um, it's not just being like, we should vote this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's not answering those yeah. questions. It's just saying, this is how it is, and then leaving it out mm -hmm. there, and it's interpretive. Yeah. Um, and, and that, to me, is, like, the top tier. It's like, if you can get something up yeah. like that sort of level, you're, you're just sort of accurately presenting the zeitgeist to people and making it funny. I mean, that's where, like, the thing about great political sketches, yeah. like uh, Jim Jeffrey's gun bit is like that. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm not saying... He's like, I'm not a Second Amendment scholar. Mm. I'm just saying either they're safe or they're not safe. And that's yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's the line I'm gonna draw. Or like the Chris Rock, there's black people, n-word. You know that like just painting a picture. I mean, like, mm. well, we all agree this is true. So why isn't this true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the same time, and like you say, not judging. Yeah, yeah. Would, you also come up with the undeniable logic. Yeah. And then people are like, okay, well, it's, it's almost at that point, it's like the comedian's not saying anything. They're just showing you. Yeah the contradiction in ourselves yeah. or whatever and it's, it's that's where it's funny because it's like oh we're all fucked up and 100%. stupid <laughs> yeah. we're all fucked up we're all stupid and yeah. in this space like in the space between these ideologies we've we've shown you a logic that you can't ignore yeah and it's not propaganda it's, it's almost the opposite of propaganda at that point yes that's a lovely way of putting it yeah, yeah. It is Which the is, but then what's happening now is com comedy is becoming propaganda in the sense of yeah. like it's it's got an intention behind it and I was like that's not I always thought comedy was the, the beauty of it is that it's like meaningful, meaningless. Do you know what I Like it's not yeah. really changing anything. It's just sort of being like, this is the world is fucking weird. Lol. We're all going to die. Um, yeah. But let's have a, is this like a moment of clarity of like pulling you out of the like yes. teams and stuff like that. And Whereas that's where like, when you start having an intention behind it, you start keeping people in that. Mm political space and actually ironically i think that's when you actually reinforce all of the political divisions and stuff yeah which is um you know the sort of very thing that a lot of people complain about the you know what you can and can't say yeah uh, are generally trying to prevent <laughs> yeah Do, or they, at least they explicitly state that's what they're trying to prevent yeah. but i don't think that's how you break stereotypes no <laughs> no I think you break stereotypes by showing that the there's a shared fucked upness yeah, amongst yeah. all of us. Yeah, and that if you if you if you do have a diverse friendship group or you experience different types of people in your life, yeah, you will realize very quickly. I think that there's way more commonality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Most people are the same worldwide. Yeah, um, just like like we all care about like fundamentally the same things yeah it's just di different expressions of them culturally yeah, di yeah different cultural pressures that you end up yeah presenting different yeah, yeah exactly um did you see the well kind of and let's i guess the um see dave Chappelle opened for john mulaney you know yes and people got pissed off you right? see the joke he did <laughs> no what was it? so he got on stage and said the guy tried bearing in mind he's talking about a guy trying to stab him yeah yeah and there's a guy getting rushed rush me on stage oh he's talking about that the yeah when he got tackled yeah yeah, yeah. so he's opening for john mulaney but this is yeah. a bit he's doing opening for john mulaney right right and he goes, um, the guy stabbed me, uh, tried to stab me with a, because you know, it was a, he had a gun, right? Yeah. So he's like, he tried to stab me um, with a knife that identified as a gun. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, is, yeah. You know, with, with his history and everything, it's like a, Yeah, it's like well, a silly, he knows exactly what, what he's doing. He's of course. Saying, yeah, he's even And then because John Mulaney is, which I, which I find infinitely fascinating about John Mulaney, yeah. he has this incredibly liberal audience Yeah. that think he's like, clean i guess yeah, like, yeah. And he's not at yeah all. he's just come out of like drug rehab 
Oh, in his personal life, you mean? Yeah, and also his material's not that clean. We feel like he, he had a big affair as well, right? Very yep. high-profile affair. Yep, all that yeah. stuff. And he talks about cocaine and drug usage and in, in, yeah. in his acts and everything. So his audience obviously got very, very upset. Yeah, by that, um, which is another interesting ang- um, element, I guess, of attracting the wrong. The, I wonder if you get to that level, people are just—they're not always coming to see comedy. They come to see John Mulaney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want to see the John Mulaney they met on late night TV. Yeah. They don't want to see John Mulaney the stand-up, necessarily. Right, right. Yeah, as a personality cult or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Which is back to that Tyler thing of, like, what audience are you attracting and, yeah. you know? Well, it, well, yeah, it's like, I, I, I genuinely don't even think people necessarily listen to what you're saying. So I remember, um, like, do you remember when Jeremy Corbyn had, all the, when Jeremy Corbyn was around, I remember watching an interview and this is how I was like, oh, people are not listening. It's just mm. like these people are symbols and they just, yeah. uh, they do not treat them as like human beings. They treat them as like these, un, like, uh, these, uh, I don't know, idols of idols. Like, perfection yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. it, it you have in your mind. Because I remember Jeremy Corbyn was so blatantly anti-immigrant because of the worrying about uh, bringing down workers' wages. Mm. And he was on Good Morning Britain or whatever the one Piers Morgan was on back then. Mm. And it, for 15 minutes, he spoke about how he was like worried about immigrants coming here, stealing jobs, blah, blah, blah. And it was put in those things. And not one, no, I never saw any of his supporters suddenly being like, whoa, he's anti-immigrant. And then yeah. they would accuse the conservatives of yeah. being yeah. anti-immigration. And I was like, but your leaders just said yeah. this. I'm like, you're not listening to what he's saying. Yeah. Um, and then you had that bizarre situation. And I'm sure on the conservative side, there was also the same thing where they were sort of being uh, weirdly pro-Europe. <laughs> but then you had this bizarre thing where it's like the fan base of the left wing were all pro-Europe, but being led by a guy who's anti-Europe, anti-Europe. trying to defend Europe. And then completely the opposite on the conservative side, where mm-hmm. they probably are more anti-Europe, but have to be pro-Europe. And you're like, how have we got to this insanity? Like, yeah. <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and I think you're absolutely right. That uh, The really great thing about comedy, especially live comedy, yeah. is it can pull you out of that ridiculousness. Yeah, yeah. Just shake you off. Yeah. You're like, this is weird. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Whatever you believe, we can all agree this is fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. And have a, and at least laugh about it. Yeah, because yeah. Because if you can't laugh about it, then you have to start getting upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, completely. It's uh, none of it matters. Yeah, none yeah. Of it's real. And you're gonna die. That's the that's the, that's that's the title. <laughs> none of it matters. None of it's real. You're gonna die. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's the that's the episode title. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> great. Well, I think that's been another episode of uh, having the crack. Thank you for having Luke. me, oh, mate. It's been great. And yeah. thanks, Sergey, behind the ones and twos. Thank you, lovelies. We'll <laughs> <laughs> see you guys next week. Bye. Cheers. Oh, that was great. I enjoyed that.